What? They said that to her. I was born with a condition called neurofibromatosis. It's more commonly known as NF1. It's a condition that causes tumours to grow on nerves. For me, it grew on the left side of my face, which has caused half of my face to look significantly different to the other half. I had my eye removed, my, my real eye removed from me when I was 11 years old. It's left me with dysprosthesis, which I can take off. It's just trying to get that acceptance from people. That's that's the biggest challenge. I've had many moments where I felt, why me? Why why am I like this? And I've, mm. I've, I've looked in the mirror and burst out in tears and cried and cried and cried and looked at my face. And I used to like stand in the mirror and go like this. And the moment I knew she was the right person for me, I wouldn't show her the left face when I was talking to her on video calls. And she one day said to me, look, if this is going to work out, I'm not going to marry half of your face. Yeah. I'm going to marry all of you. Mm-hmm. And that moment I knew that, you know what, this this, this could go somewhere. Yeah. And I think six months after that, we got we got married. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Her family were dead, dead against me getting married to her. Her family said, what will society say? What will people say? Her dad said, I'd rather commit suicide than let you get married to him. Um, her brother You're was- joking. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast onto Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Amit. Hello. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so patient. We've been together for about two hours now. <laughs> Had many cups of tea. We were going to have tequila, but we saved ourselves, so we'll have it afterwards. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here and coming all the way from Birmingham. Thank you. For people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. My name's Amit Ghosh, and I was born with a condition called neurofibromatosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more commonly known as NF1. Um, it's a condition that causes tumours to grow on nerves. For me, it grew on the left side of my face, which has caused half of my face to look significantly different to the other half. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest changes is that I had my eye removed, my, my real eye removed from me when I was 11 years old. And it's left me with dysprosthesis, which I can take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so um, it's brought me on this journey to talk about some of the issues, some of the sort of comments and the bullying that I've had endured throughout my life Um, and now I'm on a journey to help support inspire people with my real life lived experiences Mm -hmm. to see if I can if I can create a positive impact 
you absolutely are creating a positive impact. But I want to know at what stage you realized you had to do that. So growing up, I think so many of us don't, and I've interviewed several people. I interviewed Annie, who suffered with burns. I've interviewed Shani. I've inter- interviewed um, several people like Jono, who you know very well, yeah. who have had um, facial disfigurements or, or are disabled. And they've told me that when they were younger, they just didn't think anything of it. You know, did you have the same experience? Yeah, uh, when I was younger, well, going to school was difficult. Primary school okay. was was extremely difficult. Um, not a lot of people wanted to be my friend. Uh, not a lot of the kids wanted to come and sit next to me. Some because they were just they didn't know what this was, and some because they were scared that the cooler kids wouldn't be their friends. My best friend in primary school was a support teacher. I used to sit with her a lot oh, in so the earlier years and talk about, you know, just general things. You know, I don't remember what exactly, but I remember I'd be, you know, sitting with her. And she, I still know her. And she came to my wedding party that I had here and everything. That's and she's, she's such an amazing person. But it takes me back to those memories that I just couldn't couldn't connect with children in that way yeah um, especially in the earlier earlier years sort of year three year four mm. much later on when i started sort of expressing some of my personality traits that did children and other people start to resonate with me the reason i said that's so sweet is i re- recently watched matilda <laughs> and how sweet when matilda and miss honey are best friends yeah. i thought it was so cute and i thought oh i wish i had a teacher that was it's like special. my best friend it's so sweet you talked around it was difficult for you to make friends in school now, a lot of people find it difficult to make friends in school. And a lot of the time we jump to conclusions, right? Yes. I felt the same way when I remember always thinking that, oh, this person doesn't want to be friends with me because I have hairy legs. You know, I was, you know, when I was in school, I was worried about my moustache or my monobrow or having, you know, hairy legs or hairy, hairy arms. And I almost made that assumption. It wasn't that someone ever said that to me. Did you make the assumption that didn't people didn't want to be friends with you or was it said to you? I think I did make the assumption to a certain extent because I could see in the mirror that I look visibly different. And some children would make comments like, you know, they'd call me a half face or, they'd, you know, they'd say, what's happened to your face? You know, mm. what, what's wrong with you? And like towards sort of the year four, year five, they'd be like, oh, you know, did you get run over by a train? Did you have an accident? Mm. And it's all those comments that were like, oh, is this the reason why these children don't want to connect with me? Is this the reason why they don't want to spend time with me? And, you know, you go back home, you look in the mirror and you feel like, why me? Why do I look like this? You know, is it is it is this the reason why people don't want to don't want to hang out with me? And did you have siblings? Yeah, I've got three, three older siblings, two sisters and a brother. And how are they towards you? To be fair, my family was so so supportive and that's one of the reasons why I am who I am today. Mm-hmm. They never let me realise that I've even got a condition. You know, I used to be petrified of my brother. Like, really? As an older brother. He was he was into sound a lot. Like, he loves music and he's got really, really... Ex- he had these really expensive speakers. Yeah. Um, and anyone who knows about speakers has these tweeters on the top. Yeah, yeah. And um, you could take the um, front um, grill off and I poked... Oops, poked the mic then <laughs> I, I poked the speakers yeah um, and I, I damaged it and I just covered it hoping he wouldn't realize and because he was so into sound the first day he came and listened to it and he's like this doesn't sound right and I was sitting there going oh my god oh my god <laughs> he took the grill up and he's like how did that happen <laughs> he looked at me straight and I was like wasn't me he goes yes it was and any Asian family you know you get beatings you're not you don't get told off <laughs> so I had to run away but yeah um 
that was one of the reasons why I think, you know, because I was treated in that sort of same manner, like not different. Yeah. Or I wasn't treated that I'm not normal. Mm. Gave me that confidence to say, actually, you know what? I can be just like everyone else. Um, so, yeah, my, my siblings, my family played a big, big role in that. I remember speaking to um, one of my other friends and she said the same thing around when you're not treated differently, it's a good and a bad thing because then often you're almost shocked by other people's opinions because your own family haven't told you that. But then at the same time, they gave you that confidence. So it's kind of tricky. As you were getting bullied in school, yeah. did you ever communicate that with your family? Not always. Sometimes I would, and my, my, my brother would be very, very supportive of it. Mm. He would want to go and talk to those. Sometimes I was scared to tell him because I just yeah. feel like he'd just go and beat <laughs> them up. So I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to tell him. But yeah. they they were they were extremely supportive of that. But I, I get your point about how sometimes they're they're sugarcoating you so much mm. that when you step out into the real world, suddenly it's it's a shock to you, and and that's when that kind of journey started to. Uh, for me, subconsciously at that age, mm. that, okay, I'm not being accepted by these children or, or school or outside because of the way I look, but is it really them or is it me? And that's, you know, that it's subconscious then, but now thinking about it, it's that acceptance. Correct. It's, and it's the acceptance from my family that, yeah, you're, you're different and it's fine. Let's get on with it. And I looked in the mirror and said, I'm different. And I need to do something about it. I need to. And then I used to love playing cricket. I used to come home and play cricket by myself. I, used to, You know, in those days, we used to have those big black bins. Yeah. I'd put the bin in the middle of the road and uh, on the footpath. And I'd just bowl to it all day. I'd just come home and I'd just bowl to it and then go collect the ball, come back, bowl again. And I went to school one day and I told one of the one of the students that, yeah, I really enjoy playing cricket. And he's like, me too. And he's like, oh, I don't live too far away from you. Let's play cricket and after school we started playing cricket and suddenly you go from Amit the guy with a facial disfigurement to Amit the guy who likes playing cricket mm. and that's the shift I think for me was as soon as you start showing your personality to somebody yeah. it goes from what the external is to who you are and that's when I started at that time subconsciously but I started building on my personality and that's what helped me through it. I love that. And it just takes one person to really see past that, doesn't it? Yeah. For you to stop being so worried about what other people think. It just takes one person to be like, all right, okay, cool, whatever. Like, let's just, you know, play cricket or yeah, you know, yeah. let's go to the movies. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, yeah. I think it's really, really important where you t said subconsciously it was about your confidence. Because yeah. obviously now when you look back, you can pull things together. But at the time, you don't know what's going on. You're so young and it's very difficult for any teenager to you know acknowledge those feelings talk to me about going and getting a job going to university did you go to university i did i did um it was it was my dad's dream that i go to university um none of us we all came here when i was two years old so my siblings were a lot older than me okay um so they didn't get the opportunity to go to university or have that full education mm. so he wanted me to go to university and that was his dream and that became my dream as well um went to university again those challenges of every time I went from like, so when I went from primary school to secondary school, it taken me many years to build that confidence, build that circle, yeah. show my personality. And suddenly now I'm going to go to secondary school and I've got to now do that all over again. Mm. And then in college and then in university, it was all those phases were really, really challenging for me. Yeah. But I got through them by using that same kind of mantra that, you know, you've got to celebrate who you are you know you've got to embrace who you are mm. and then if you show if you show your personality traits to people people will 
they may think of you about, oh, you know, this person's got something wrong with his face for the first few days. Yeah. But then as time goes on, they relate to you with, with your personality traits. So, you know, he likes going out for a drink on a Friday night or, <laughs> you know, he likes playing cricket or, you know, he likes, likes tequila. For, <laughs> likes tequila. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. You said that every time you had to go through this period of change from secondary school to college to university, what were some of the hardest parts of doing that? Because it's very difficult to keep on going through the same challenge, but with different comments. Does that make sense? Yeah. Same situation, different challenge, I guess. Yeah, I think the hardest part for anybody, like, you know, when you're when you're transitioning from one place to another is is getting accepted, getting liked by people, being yeah. welcomed by new groups of friends. Or That was the biggest challenge for me. Like, I'd sit in a classroom or a lecture theatre and... I'd always sit on the right, left side of the room so the right side of my face was showing to everybody mm. because I'd fear that if I sat on the right side and my left side was showing, nobody would want to come and sit next to me. And mm. it's those things and it's it's just trying to get that acceptance from people. That's, that's the biggest challenge. There's so many subtle things that yeah. I think we're unaware of. Absolutely. And often we are afraid to share our most vulnerable parts of ourselves in so many different aspects, by the way. And there's so many things like I'm sitting here with my hands crossed because I'm wearing a bit of a tight dress today and I'm conscious of my stomach. Mm. And people wouldn't know that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's sometimes, I only noticed that when someone pointed it out to me and they said, you always have your arms crossed around your stomach. And I said, yeah, I know, it's comforting. And they said, why? And I said, because I'm conscious. I'm not conscious enough to not wear this dress, <laughs> but... I find it comforting because yeah. when I'm sitting down, I want to make sure that my hands are crossed. And and how you said you you know you'd always sit in the left side of the room. I think we can observe when people are nervous around things. So I've learned to be a little bit more compassionate and patient. So if, for example, you were sitting on the left side of the room and I hadn't met you, I perhaps the first thing wouldn't be to say, "Oh, what's happened," because you should be aware that that person visibly seems a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Not everyone has that level of emotional intelligence, mm. but if you do, try and be a bit more wary of it because you never know how your comment could really impact someone because one of the things we spoke about off camera was the way people approach you and say, what's wrong with you or what's happened? And mm. I always remember I was watching some YouTube videos and people said, to say to somebody, what's wrong with you or what's mm. happened to you or what you just said just now, did this happen to you and make mm. an assumption? can be really, really gruelling. Could, yeah. Did you have moments where you just felt really, really emotional or, you know, at times where your confidence was completely knocked? I've had many moments where I felt that, why me? Why Why am I like this? And I've, mm. I've, I've looked in the mirror and burst out in tears and cried and cried and cried and looked at my face. And I used to, like, stand in the mirror and go like this and then look at half of my face. <clears throat> And then when the smartphones and cameras first came out, you could take a photo, crop it, and then, like, flip it, like, do a symmetrical look. And I used to, like, do that just to see how my face would look if it was symmetrical. And I used to and I used to always envy people, like, other boys and other, other young teenagers, men. Mm. Like, when i go to a wedding and I'd see, like, everyone wearing, like, like a fancy suit with, with his beard all sort of properly trimmed both sides, I'd, like hate that because I'd be like I wish I could trim my beard like that as well and yeah. have a sharp clean look and yeah I used to 
I used to have babies like that all the time, especially during these weddings and parties mm. and things like that. How did you overcome that? <laughs> it's hard. It's it's not like I, I, I say to a lot of people now that, you know, confidence is about acceptance and they say to me, Oh, it's easier said than done. Yeah. And I and I say absolutely, it is easier easier said than done. It's not gonna you know, I'm not just gonna look in the mirror and start crying and then say, actually, you know, let's accept myself and it'll yeah. be okay. It's not it doesn't work like that. It's it's repetition, it's believing in yourself, it's fine discovering yourself. Over the last, let's say, maybe three, four years, I've had a transition where I've tried to discover myself, like look into who I am, what my personality traits are, who I truly am. Is is the face what defines me or is it more than that? Yeah. And a lot of people say, don't let your face define you. But now I actually say, no, I do let my face define me, but in a positive way. It makes me who I am and I want to empower the world with that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so powerful. And I think a lot of the time when you go to events like weddings or family gatherings or, you know, now on social media, it's very easy to compare. You can envy someone and then think, why don't I have that? And I'm such a terrible person for having that. And a lot of the time... Actually, that person posting that photo that you're looking at is probably doing the same thing, trying to get them validation. Exactly. Because they saw somebody else post a photo. And they probably look (laughs) at someone else's and and are thinking, oh, I wish I had that. Exactly. And a lot of the time, we attribute all of the traits that we want to people as external. But actually what we want is the strength that they have within. Because it doesn't matter what you look like or what you do or how much money you have or how much of a model face you have you all have an everyone has an insecurity every single person on the planet has an insecurity and i spoke about this in a video just some people are more open enough to admit it you talked to me previously around having certain expectations put on you as we all do you come from an indian family i talk a lot around the pressure to get married and often in life when you deviate away from life's plan people presume you don't have the choice you don't go to university, you don't get good grades. You don't want to get married it's because of this reason. Mm-hmm. You don't have children, oh, it's because of this. People are allowed to have a choice and we yeah. forget that. We criticize people when they move away from that plan. And also now I've realized is when people choose to speak about it, they're targeted as extremists. I've seen, I spoke about egg freezing and people have said, oh my gosh, what on earth is this? This is crazy that you're talking about egg freezing. You know, you're going to end up a lonely old woman. I haven't even frozen my eggs. I just did a podcast talking about the options. It's it's absolutely yeah. crazy. But as a man, what were the expectations that were put on you? As soon as I graduated, got a job, um, you know, started. What job did you get, by the way? So I started working in Adobe as okay. a relationship manager. Okay. So I was selling I was selling cloud software, um, and I, I went I went to America. I was I was working out there for a bit, and everyone was like, "Right, he's got a good job. He's traveling now. Let's get him married." And then they was like, "Oh, wait, who's going to marry him?" People said that to you, mm-hmm. to your face. And I, and I heard these conversations happening at like family gatherings with like cousins and stuff. Like my dad was always worried about me getting married mm-hmm. because he thought people won't accept me for who I am. There was a kind of a, he had a positive thought behind it. Like, you know, they're not going to see through him. They're not going to accept him. He was worried because he knew that the world can be cruel and the world judges books by its cover. Mm. But other people were just like, yeah, but, you know, he's got this face. You know, he's got this, you know, what if his kids turn out like this as well? You know, it's not going to happen. And 
family members would say to me, you know, you you got to understand. They say, they would say to me, you got to understand. You know, you got to put yourself in in parent the parent shoes of the girl. Would you would you want your daughter to marry someone who looks like you? And I'm like, how can you just say that to my face? Like, you know, and I'd say yes, absolutely. If that person has certain values that I think are good enough, then yeah. And at the end of the day, who am I to decide? Who yeah. my daughter marries anyway, you know. If there's obviously alarm bells there, I'd, I'd advise her. But other than that, no, you know, she can marry who she wants. And I'd say that to them, and they'd be like, "Yeah, but you know, trying to understand." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I I'm not desperate to get married either." You know, you guys are trying to find me arranged marriages, and you guys are on the flip side saying, "Try and understand." I'm like, "I'm cool. I'm I'm busy. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting on with my life." Did your Did your siblings have arranged marriages? Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. So my oldest sister's arranged marriage, then my brother had an arranged marriage. But then during my brother's wedding, my other sister fell in love with my sister-in-law's brother. Oh my <laughs> they God, met that's at so the wedding. funny. So then they got married. Aww. So her one was a kind of a love marriage come, come yes. arranged marriage. So it was, it was quite a normal thing for you to yeah. go through this arranged marriage pr- procedure. I actually spoke to someone the other day and they said... Everyone in my family got an arranged marriage and I was so confused. I thought, I, I don't know anyone who's had an arranged <laughs> marriage. So I guess in different families, it, it does, um, it is it is the norm, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's not, it's not forced, it's just assisted. Yeah. Right? So it's not, you have to marry this person. No. It's just yeah. an introduction. Yeah. How did you feel when people would say to you, how are you ever going to find someone? Terrible. Like, I'd feel terrible when someone would say that. Like, I've had it in weddings. Like, people would say, oh, like, they'd be joking around. Like, if I'd go to a mate's wedding... They'd be joking around like, oh, do you wish you got married as well? You know, when's, you know, when's, in a, in a snidey way, like, when's your turn? But then they'd be like, oh, yeah, but. And. People say that to me all the time as well. Oh, you are you going to get married next? Yeah. You know, and I don't know how many times I have to say it. Stop <laughs> asking me when I'm getting married. I don't know how many times I have to tell people. But I, I think, I think I understand. I, the reason I asked that question is, were you used to it at that point? Were you kind of not bothered if someone said that to you or did it impact you it impacted me okay it, it always impacted me when people said that to me because it just reminded me that um different mm. and that i may be not good enough like it always gave me that impression that yeah you've got you might have had the good you might have the good job you might have you know the degree and whatever you know these you know you have but are you gonna get married though <laughs> it's like Getting married is what people believe is the most important thing in your life. It doesn't matter about your job. It doesn't matter about uh, how well you're doing and just generally. It doesn't matter how you're growing. It doesn't matter how many people you're helping. Are you married is genuinely just yeah. the most important thing that people want to know. When did you get married? Um, I got married in uh, December 2021. In, so only two years ago? Two, yeah, just so a year recent, and a half. Oh, amazing. Recent, recent. And how did you meet your wife? So it was through a family friend, actually. So obviously my family were trying to get this arranged marriage done for me. They were trying to see if they can if they can assist like you said introduce me to someone a lot of the times parents were just so the traditional way arranged marriages work is the first photographs were exchanged and i was just wasn't getting families were just rejecting me because of the way i look plain Mm -hmm. and simple but then there were some that were talking to me and i could see especially from india see straight through it they just wanted to marry me to come to england (laughs) so i was like no this is not happening so i was in india and i was talking to my friend about this and i was telling him that you know my family are trying really hard but i just don't think it's going to work you know Mm. and i'm I'm, I'm busy as well and it's not going to work so i came back to england um and he messaged me saying or he called me i think and he said oh there's this girl you know that i know that i think you two would like really like 
work can I introduce him I'm like if you feel it's right do it and um, he went and spoke to her and he said oh he lives in England and she was like hell no <laughs> I'm way too busy like she, she's a makeup artist by profession yeah apparently she was fully booked for the next six months she's like I'm just too busy right now to be talking to somebody okay. so no and then he at that point he hadn't told her about my my, my condition or anything and then he did and he, she was like yeah that doesn't bother me but I just don't want to I'm not ready and I'm not going to move to England yeah so he came and told me, and um, he well, he told her that I'm gonna I'm gonna give him your number anyway. And he came and told me, and I was like, I can't message her, like you know. Yeah, she said no. Yeah, <laughs> she said no. He's like, no, do it, do it. Trust me, just do it. You know, serendipity. You know, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. I sent her a message, and she didn't reply for like a day, and that killed me. But then she did. Three dots. <laughs> yeah. Then she replied, and then it was that click. Like she replied, we started talking, started video calling, and the moment I knew she was the right person for me. I used to show her half of my face. I wouldn't show her the left face when I was talking to her on video calls. And she one day said to me, look, if this is going to work out, I'm not going to marry half of your face. Yeah. I'm going to marry all of you. Mm. So quit showing me half of your face and just show me all of your face. And that moment I knew that, you know what, this this, this could go somewhere. Yeah. And I think six months after that, we got we got married. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Her family were dead, dead against me getting married to her. Her family said, what will society say? What will people say? Her dad said, I'd rather commit suicide than let you get married to him. Um, her brother You're was, joking. Yeah. He was like, I'd rather commit suicide than you get than get married to him. Her brother was like, this is not going to happen. I'm not, you know. And her brother was like, you're going to go to England and you're going to get unattracted to him one day. And everybody in her family was just absolutely against it to a point where she had given up at one point as well. But she came back, I think it lasted two days. <laughs> she didn't talk to me about two days and then she came back and said, no, let's make this work. She rang me one day saying, can you come to England? Can you come to India? When can you come to India? We want to do this. What made her have the courage to go against her family's wishes? Because I know how difficult it can be for anyone to go against what their parents say and if it's your whole family telling you she said for her it felt right i mean it just she couldn't she couldn't bear saying no to me and breaking me because she knew that it took a lot for me to build myself up to trust someone yeah and for then for her to break that trust would just just break her and even like when i got to india the day before the wedding her auntie came to her and said don't do this there's still time. There's still time. And even then, when she went through with it, they were like, you must have done something really bad in your life. And now karma is serving you with this man. What? They said that to her? Yeah. Did you hear that? These are some, some of the comments she told me. And, and she's always also said to me that there's so much more that I've not told you that, you know, I can't, I can, I can never tell you. That breaks but, my heart. you know, she, but she goes, it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard for her. That's so difficult. People often talk about karma and I find it quite difficult to digest when people say where you are in your life right now is a result of your previous life. And people have mentioned that same logic to people who have had facial disfigurements, disabilities. People say that to my dad. People said that to my dad. That I heard that. I think someone said that to Shani's yeah. parents as well, yeah. You must have, you know, must have done something, and that's why. And my dad was the bravest, most courageous man ever. Everything I am today was because of him. Mm. You know, he's made me so strong. But, you know, he, he never let that... 
well, he probably did get to him, but he never let it let it affect me. So difficult because almost when you're getting attacked by all angles, it's very difficult to keep strong. Yeah. You know, tell me how you after you got married, you came back to the UK, and Deliveroo. Deliveroo, yeah. The story about Deliveroo is they had to change their entire policy for you. Yes. Tell me about that. So after getting married, I came back and it was COVID. It was still kind of lockdown-ish kind of time. So I needed some extra money because I just got married. I was bringing my wife here. So in the evenings, I thought I'd do some delivery driving, Mm -hmm. do some deliveries. And one of their KYCs, know your customer, was to take a picture of your passport and then take a photo of your face and do some videos, doing some gestures and blinking. Now, when I was blinking and I was doing the gestures, the app wasn't picking it up because... Obviously, I can't blink with two eyes, and when I'm opening my mouth, only half of my teeth are showing. Mm. So it wasn't recognising it, and it just wasn't recognising it. And that was just really upsetting me because it just wasn't working. And I knew it wasn't working because I looked visibly different. Mm. So I emailed them. They ignored it the first time. Emailed them again. They were like, keep trying. It wasn't working. And I had to explain to them that, look, this isn't working. And it's like these automated responses you get, so you know, mm. I'm not getting anywhere with it. And then I sent them a picture of my face saying, look, this is why it's not working. And then I got a response saying that they're going to change the policy and let me sort of go through that and then I, I could sign up. But that, that whole journey was, was just so demoralising. We think we're inclusive. We're absolutely not. We're not. In this day and age, to not have data and AI that picks that up, and you say this, that, you know, when you go through an airport, you have the same problem. Yeah. So airports, a lot of airports now have electronic gates and cameras and you have to look at the camera, smile... Um, sometimes open your mouth wide and it just, just doesn't work. Dating apps. Dating apps reject photos saying that you've put a filter on. Really? Yeah. And what about Apple ID facial recognition? Apple ID works quite well, to be fair. Okay. I've not had any trouble with Apple ID, but okay. there are there's a lot of work AI needs to do to get everyone inclus- included still. AI is great in loads of different ways, mm-hmm. but how do you think it needs to evolve and change for it to include people who have visible differences? I think software providers need to work with people with visible differences more closely mm-hmm. to improve the software, to make more people make it more inclusive. For someone who struggles with confidence already, mm-hmm. if they are dealt, if they are faced with that kind of rejection, then it's going to break them. It's going to hurt them even more. It's going to have a knock-on effect on their mental health. And AI companies need to understand this and and act on it now. Confidence is a topic that so many people ask me about because as we're getting older, you would think that we're being more comfortable within our skin. But I think as we're getting older, we're seeing that there's so many different opinions, so many different choices. We're getting decision paralysis. Yeah. And being confident in making the right decision is often really difficult because you just don't know because there's so many decisions to make. How do you how do you cope with that? I think what we all do is seek for validation externally. We're always looking for others to say we're good enough, others to say you're beautiful, like, you know, likes. You know, I, I put a post on the other day on, on social media saying, you know, we put a post up on social media, a photo or something. Half an hour later, we'll go and check how many likes it's got. An hour later, we'll go and check how many likes it's got. Yeah. And it's not got enough likes. We're like, I'm taking this off. Yeah. Whereas, it didn't do well, yeah. Yeah, it didn't do well. But 
we don't take that moment to look, to look around us and look within us and try and say, actually, I am good enough. Mm. Take it or leave it <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. So so the, the way I deal with it now is by saying, like, you know, I'll give you a classic example. Um, before, if you, go into my, if you go into my Instagram and look up pictures anywhere before six months ago, all my photos are like this, from this angle. I'm really? Like this. Yeah. And I'd always stand on a certain side of, of, of my friends so I can, I can be like this. All my pictures. Now... I take pictures full face because I've accepted and I've embraced who I am. I celebrate who I am. Yeah. And I say to the world, take it or leave it. So it's that shift in mentality that people need to actually be more confident and be more happy. Because you, you can only be confident when you are fully sort of accepting yourself. If you're not accepting yourself and you're doubting yourself, you'll never be, you'll never be as confident as you want to be. And I remember speaking to John about it and he said, it doesn't matter how much plastic surgery you get or how much you change, you're always going to be insecure about something if you're insecure. Exactly. And so, you know, I said to him, you know, but sometimes it can make people feel better. And he said, but will it? Because once you get your lips done, you might say, actually, I don't really like my uh, wrinkles on my forehead. Actually, I don't really like my tummy. Okay, actually, I don't really like this. There's just more and more and more because the root of it is actually the inner work that you don't want to do. And you're masking it by saying that I'm going to get this done and this done and this done. But that is a never-ending cycle. It's not just about one attribute. Exactly. And I remember watching this documentary and someone said, one of the things not to ask people with visible differences is, why don't you just get plastic surgery? Because she said, all I would do was spend my time in hospital because there's so many, so much that I would need to get done. And I don't want to do that. That's not something that I choose to do. Your condition, remind me of the full name. Neurofibromatosis. NF1, yeah? NF1. Your condition, NF1, has a 50% chance of being transferred to your child if you have one. Yes. People have said to me, don't have a child. Do you want your child to go through the same challenges, bullying that you went through? Do you Uh, want to have children? I do want to have children. Me and my wife both want to have children. But we both thought about it very deeply and we're still thinking about it very deeply about what the right thing to do is because I don't want them to go through that same sort of challenges, the bullying, the stigma, the staring that I've gone through. Yeah. So it's a very difficult decision of what you do. Um, We're talking to specialists about how we can mitigate that risk and there are ways you can mitigate the risk, but it's, it's just one of those things that we are really worried about and concerned about at the moment. How do you make a decision like that? You're saying you're mitigating the risk. What does that mean? So, like, there's there's genet- there's ways that you can genetically modify the cells. Okay. To so that so I had a test recently where they tested my cells to see if they can identify which cell is the cell that has the neurofibromatosis. If they can identify that cell, then what they can do is they can remove that cell. Mm-hmm. So that's one way of mitigating that risk. I remember reading one of your interviews, and it said. People said, why are you so different? And your response was, aren't we all different? Aren't we all different? I love that. So powerful because whilst you're saying you're really worried about that because you don't want your child to go through it, would you change it about yourself? No, I wouldn't change my... If someone someone asked me this question, would you would you change your face if, yeah. you, had the, if you had the choice? I would not change it because it makes me who I am. It makes, makes me... I'm, I'm proud of who I am. So why is it a choice then whether you have children if it's a 50% chance? I think because when I look at my earlier years, when I look at my uh, the struggles I went through to get to where I got yeah. to, 
it's that you know that you know will will my child be able to get to that will it and it's a spectrum as well that my child could have have it far worse yeah. i mean i've got scoliosis as a part of this condition as well okay. which is a curvature of the spine so i've got i've got tumors that are growing near my spine internally which is causing my spine to curve and i've had surgery surgery for that as well which was a really major surgery I don't want, you know, the risks are endless. I don't mm. want it to be a really severe form of neurofibromatosis or I don't want it to be neurofibromatosis type 2 because there's two types, there's type okay. 1, type 2. Type 2 is cancerous. So, you know, I don't want that to happen to my to my child. I understand. I think that's a really tricky... And people must ask you that, right? You mm. know, if, if um, you've managed to get through it, do you believe your child will? And I think... When you have a child of your own, you don't want them to go through any pain or any harm. So yeah. even any comment is a bit worrying yeah. or, you know, anything. You're you're just thinking about their well-being and what you want for them. So I think that's, I think that's, I completely understand that decision. There are going to be people who are watching this who are going to be saying, I'm at a point in my life where I just want to give up. And I am not accepting. I don't want to accept. What do they do? Giving up. Is is easy. We are, we can we can give up tomorrow. I, mm. I could have given up on myself a very long time ago, and there were so many moments in my life where I wanted to give up, and I had enough, and I just didn't want to go through it. But it's that working on yourself every single day to to realize that you are more than what the external is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more about you. There's a lot. You know, I I I, I tell a lot of people this, like you know. Give me three things that you either enjoy doing, like doing, or you're good at. Yeah. Give me three things. Yeah. And they'll think of three things. They'll say, give me those three things. I'm like, yep, start with those three things. Go and work on those three things. Go and do those three things. Go and talk to other people about those three things. Because suddenly you'll go from the person with, oh, that person who had an acid attack, or, or that person who's got a facial disfigurement, or that person who's got a condition, mm. to, oh, that person who likes cooking, or, oh, that person who likes doing art. So that's how it starts Work on yourself, find out what you're good at, what you enjoy, and work on those. Work on the positives. We're so much more than our faces, our jobs, our titles, our status. You know, mm. we associate all of our worth to things yeah. rather than who we actually are and how people feel when they see us. Exactly. What's one of the biggest learnings you've had from speaking on your platform? Because you started only a couple of months ago yeah. posting on TikTok, right? Yeah. Tell me about that journey because there's going to be people who are thinking, okay, you know, how do I get to 80,000 followers in three months on TikTok? It's, it's been an incredible journey and I think it's it's me just being real. Mm. All, my, all my videos, every time I create a video, every time I post something, I think about what value I can add. And when I started doing TikTok videos, I thought if I can change one life, then in a positive way, that will be my, my mission will be successful. And about two weeks into making videos, this girl from South Africa sent me a message on, on, on TikTok and she said, I've got tumours on my legs and my arms and I can only wear short sleeves. Uh, I can't wear, sorry, I can't wear short sleeves. Okay. Um, and I'm really nervous and I can't go swimming when I go on holiday. And I said, why is that? She goes, well, my tumours will show. And I go, okay. And when the tumours will show, what will happen? She goes, well, people around me will start judging me. I go, okay. But when they judge you, what, what you know, what's the outcome of that? Well, they won't, won't want to hang around with me they don't want, want, want to be with me I go do you really want to hang around with people or be with people that would judge you just for a few tumours that are on your body or would you rather have people around you that like you respect you and you know give you time because of who you are so true. you enjoy swimming go and swim 
And she said thank you, and I thought that was that was the end of that. Two weeks after that, she sent me a message saying she's posted on Facebook a picture of her in a bikini about to go swimming, and it turns out her supervisor also has NF1. No and way. That was the power of opening up. And, you know, they, they, they connected, they, they shared their stories, they shared their insecurities, they made each other stronger. And I said to her, how do you feel? She goes, I feel absolutely, her words were epic. And I made a video about it and I, and I put the comment on, on a video and I, and I said, this is the impact that I want to make. This is the change I want to make. I love that. It was, it was really good. And even now I still get messages on Instagram. People will reach out to me and say, Amit, thank you so much for... For the, for the video you just made, it's really helped. And that's why I've done it. And I always want to sort of reach out to people and help people and talk about my, you know, at the end of the day, all I can do is talk about my my experience, talk about my challenges and how I've dealt with them. Mm. If that can help somebody else, then feel free to reach out to me. I love that story. So powerful. And it reminds me of, have you seen Bender Light Beckham? Yes. It's one of my favorite movies. And in that movie, do you remember when Jessie has the scar on her legs? Do you remember? Yeah. She doesn't wear shorts and she goes to play football and there's a scar on her yes, legs. Yes, I remember, yeah. And she's so nervous to go on the pitch, she goes like that. And then when her mum finds out that she's been playing in shorts, mm. she said, look at your scars for the whole world to see. And shame. And I guess, and shaming someone yeah. because of a scar can often start at home. Mm. And you can adopt that mindset to think that it's bad. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really powerful that your parents said, so what? Who cares? Because then you're not so afraid of it and you won't attach shame to it. Does yeah. that make sense? That does make sense, yeah. When it's one person's opinion, it won't affect you. But if you've been raised to believe yeah. that a scar is bad, then that one person's opinion validates it. Yes, they're different things. Mm. So I think what you learn at, from your home, what you learn from your friends, what you learn from your family is actually so, so, so important. And I love that your dad gave you so much confidence because I'm sure that if he hadn't, those comments would have hurt even more. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember whenever I used to look in the mirror, being a young child and just, just stare at myself in the mirror, my dad would come up to me and say, you know, you're, you're a beautiful boy, you're a brave boy. And, oh. you know, he was he was the real brave person, really, to, to make me who I am. I love that. It's so powerful. Mm. I really love the stories that you said around spreading that joy on your platform as well, because whenever I get messages of someone that said, Trevani, I have no idea how much you've helped me. And I, I think the other day somebody messaged me and said, I watched your YouTube video and you have no idea the impact it's had on me. Thank you so much. And please don't stop making videos. Mm. I don't have very many subscribers on my new YouTube channel. I think I have under 200 mm. and I get maybe 200 views and that message was so sweet and keep, kept me going and you never realize the impact you can have on other people and people always say it's too late to start but it's it's never too late to start in your 20s you're there's this misconception that you're going to have your life figured out yeah. I didn't know anything in my 20s and I didn't have the correct tools the confidence the right mindset in order to progress into who I wanted to be. I was very much doing what I thought other people wanted me to be. And so I think as you come into your 30s, you really figure out who you are. And yeah. I think that's that's really shown in your journey, right? I think so. You know, I believe that universe presents you with things when the time is right. Mm. And, you know, I went to university. I got the degree. I did what my dad wanted me to achieve. I got a job, but I still felt like I wasn't really fulfilling what I wanted to fulfill yeah. I still wasn't feeling like I was complete and that first TikTok video and that first comment of someone's life being impacted 
for me was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is where I want to be. And that I went to school and I did a talk in a school and um, I spoke in front of, I thought it's going to be a class, like 30 children. Yeah. So I emailed the school a week before I went saying, can you just tell me how many children there'll be so I can prepare the talk? And they said, you're going to do key stage one and key stage two. And in each key stage, there's 129 children. And I was like, what? How <laughs> old were they? So key stage one is what? Kids from the age of four, maybe, to six or seven. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, reception to year three and then year four, year five, year six. So, so funny when you're saying key stage because I do remember like key stage three maths. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't, yeah, but I forgot. It was I, so long ago that I'm like, what's key stage one and two? So <laughs> I forgot funny. about all of this and I tossed my yeah. niece. I tossed my niece and then she told me, and I was, I was doing it like I was, I was rehearsing with my, with my niece. I was like, sit on the floor, I'm going to do a rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and I was like, what do you think questions will be? And she put her hand up and I was like, yep, go on. And she was like, I think the first question is going to be, what happened to your eye? And that was actually the first question. Really? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's so powerful. Were you born with what with just one eye? No, no. So I was, I was born with two eyes. My, okay. My eye was removed when I was eleven years old. Why was that? So, it, um, it, the, the the eyelid was having tumors growing, so it was covering the entire eye, and there was tumors growing behind the eye, so the eye was being pushed out of my of my skull, basically. So if it wasn't removed, it would just fall out. And was it painful? I was eleven years old. Um, it was it was a really really big surgery. Really, they, they had to they cut from one side of the head to the other. Literally, I've got scars going down here, there, and they told all, my dad all the sort of things that can go wrong, like they do before he had to sign. I remember he signed it in front of me, and I heard later on he went home and like literally cried his eyes out Aww. signing signing that document Aww. because if I could have memory loss, I could have you know death, you know. It's endless what the risks of that surgery were to have an eye removed. And it was almost like a 12-hour surgery. And I had, like, screws on my head while the head was healing. It was really, like, difficult time. And then I had an eye patch for, like, six months. To but everyone thought you were really cool, though, with the eye patch, no? Well... My brother had one, and everyone's like, God, you're so cool. <laughs> he was, like, sc- 11 too. In school, I was getting a lot of different comments. Like, you know, people, like, saying Popeye, or people saying, like... Really? So it was all these comments, and it was that change. But I was excited. I was excited because I knew I'm going to get this prosthesis. That's going to make me look like I've got two eyes. So, so previously, could you see in that eye? No, I couldn't You see. could never see no, in that eye? No, I've always seen with one eye. And... The way it looked, the prosthesis, the prosthesis is better. The prosthesis is better, yeah. Aesthetically, okay. it's much better. Uh, but a lot of people ask me, you know, if you're so confident with the way you are, why did you have the eye removed? And I'm like, I had the eye removed because it was a medical requirement. Yeah. Um, and, and they're like, oh, so why do you not just walk around without your eye? And I'm like, and I, and I find it difficult to answer those questions. I'm like, but what? Huh? What's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like, confused by that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get confused by that question. I'm like, so why don't you just walk around without your eye then? And I'm like... It really irritates me when people love to put an extreme sense of entitlement to everything. So if mm. someone said to me, oh, well, if you're so confident, then why do you never wear makeup? Yeah. But why don't you just wear no makeup? Or why don't you exactly. just, uh, you know, wear pajamas outside yeah. the house? Like I like wearing blazers. Irrelevant. I like, it's I like actually we- quite irrelevant. Exactly. I, I <laughs> Maybe like- that adds to my confidence. And what's wrong with that? Exactly. Exactly. We see it as you're either confident or you're not. There are certain days where I feel super confident and maybe I won't have my hand com- covering my stomach. Yeah. But as you saw, I had a packet of crisps before <laughs> we started. And I just had like three teas. So I don't want to have my hands yeah. o- over my stomach. We see confidence as an either or and it's yeah. a spectrum. 
there are days where I feel more confident than others. Mm. And I might act differently on those days where I feel more confident than others. There are days where you probably feel super confident yeah. and days where you're lacking a lot of confidence. It's totally normal. It is, yeah. It is. Like, you, you were talking about makeup and stuff. Like, I wear a lot of blazers. I, I love blazers. Mm. And I've got a collection of blazers at home. And someone said to me, oh, if you're so confident, why do you have to wear a blazer to you know, feel better about yourself? And I'm like, it's not about that. It's about when I'm wearing that blazer and I'm, and I, and I, and I'm just feeling like, empowered it yeah. makes me feel good i'm not doing it to make you feel good exactly I'm doing it to make myself feel good and it makes and you feel more confident what's wrong in that yeah, that's the, that's the difference i'm doing it to make myself i'm wearing this eye because it's making me more comfortable i don't want to walk around showing pins hanging out my brain like when i'm sitting on the train i don't, I don't want to do that i'm more comfortable with with wearing the eye when you've talked about being on public transport or entering new workspaces or, you know, meeting new people, you've often talked about staring. Mm. How do you cope with that? So initially I used to be really, really nervous when people, I'd see a group of group of kids standing at the bus stop or something and I know I've got to walk through them or, or in between them. I'd put my head down and just go on my phone and just, just walk through them very quickly because I'd be really, really nervous. But now I look back at them into their eyes and give them a smile because that smile can change their life. Them smiling back at me can potentially improve my day. And I remember I was sitting in a train station just before I started my TikTok journey. And my first video that I put in, I, put, I, I, I said this story. I was sitting at a train station playing on my phone and there was a couple just staring at me. And they were staring at me for ages. So I put my phone in my pocket and I, and I got up and I, and I just smiled at them and I said, how are you? And it kind of baffled them a little bit. They went back and I was like, yeah, how are you? And they're like, oh, okay, all right. And I'm like, I noticed that you're staring. Is everything okay? And they said, no, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. I go, was it, was it because I, I look different? And they were like, yeah, what, what actually happened? And then I told them and I said, look, you know, we're all different. This is my condition. This is how I was born. It's fine. It's fine to be curious. It's not fine to stare. Like people, I find two, two sets of people in my life. Some people will stare out of ignorance. Mm. And some people will stare because they're just curious. They want to know what's happened. And I don't mind educating those people. But when you're just ignorant, it's just like, Lost. <laughs> oh my god you're so amazing because i have been on trains where people are staring at me and i just don't know why <laughs> but i was on a train last week and this woman was just staring and i thought do i have something on my face what is going I on this I'm is my so uncomfortable and i remember thinking do i have food on my face <laughs> i was like you know going like this and then i got my phone out and she was still staring and i thought <laughs> What is it? You know, what do you want? Why are you staring at me? It's a very intimidating it is. feeling. It is. When people stare at me, I check if I'm wearing my eye. I'll, I'll do this because sometimes I've gone out of my house without my eye. Like I've gone to like the local shop just to get some milk and I'm not wearing my eye. And I'm, and I'm walking. I'm, I'm so insecure at that point And I'm mm. walking around like this because I'm not wearing it and I'm, people are staring. I get that. I honestly find it really intimidating when someone stares at me. And mm. sometimes I, I wish I was brave enough to say... Are you okay? Yeah. What's wrong? I'm. I kind of just stay silent, silent because I'm scared. But a lot of the time, I will say to you, I find it really, really, really sad when I smile at someone on the train and they don't smile back at me. <laughs> yeah. I find it really sad, and I've learned to now. And I also find it. I also feel like I'm ecstatically happy when I smile at someone and they smile back. I think it's the nicest thing it's in the, the whole world. Thing in the whole world. Why does it affect us so much? It's. It's really hot, mean when, when you're staring at someone. It's the worst when I'm like, and they're like. Yeah, with a blank face. And, and then I'm like. 
No, I think that I, think I just smile. continue smiling as if I'm not smiling at them because I'm so awkwardly uncomfortable. A smile can make someone's day. And I, really and I said that to them. I said, next time you see somebody, just give them a smile. Don't just yeah. stare. It might change their change their life. It might change their day. That education piece is really important. And we often are scared to ask questions. And instead we silence ourselves and we allow ourselves to just stare at somebody, make a certain facial expression, perhaps make a comment to our partner. And actually a lot of people would just be okay if you ask them nicely. You know, ask them an open question. There'll be a lot of people that are watching or listening to this saying, okay, I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. I also don't want to intrude and ask a question. I also feel that how do I approach someone for the first time if I'm meeting them and we are about to have a conversation and I want to ask them I think it starts off with a smile definitely yeah smile at them talk to them don't make any assumptions I've had people assuming that I can't talk they're doing sign languages to me and I'm like I can talk (laughs) what do you say you're like I'm like hello "Hello. (laughs) how are you that's so funny what yeah so I don't mean to say that's funny. I mean, like, that's <laughs> no, strange. I'm literally like... <laughs> I get that, yeah. No, it is funny. Like, you know, why are you assuming that I can't talk just because I have a condition on my face? And What makes you think, I, you know, I understand? I don't understand sign language. You know, what, what that is, sign so language? So when you respond saying, hello, are they... Yeah, they were like, oh, hi, yeah, how you doing? Like, they were like, oh, no, it's... <laughs> that's like me when I smile at someone on the chair I'm just like mm. yeah, I was just, was just smiling just into thin air awkward moment yeah. but for anyone you know it, it starts off with a smile and it, I think it's different I've had people saying like people with visible differences saying I don't want people to ask me I just want them to get on okay. but for me you know I'm, I'm happy if people say oh do you mind me asking what is it that happened to you I don't want people saying oh was it an accident oh you know did you get punched in the face mm. or you know was it an acid I've had people say oh was it an acid attack like, no, it wasn't, you know. Yeah, just don't assume. Yeah, don't yeah, assume. Keep your assumptions to yourself. Yeah, you, they can ask me, oh, so what, what, what is it that's happened to you? I've had I've had experiences where people have said, oh, what is it that's happened to you? And then we, I've told them, and then we've had the most beautiful conversations after that about music, about movies, about mm. whatever. You know, it can lead to so much more. But sure. it's when people assume or when people just be ignorant is when it's painful. You mentioned off camera that it's really hard when you meet children. Yeah. I think children are the most difficult to deal with because they're very blunt and they're very they're very clear on what they what their intentions are like whenever we used to have like new not not so long ago actually uh, we had some fam- family members attending some lunch in our house and um, you know someone had a child a few years ago and they've never brought that child to our house so the child was about four five four five years old and you know I knew that when that child sees me they're going to either freeze and just stare at me or cry or not come near me and that's exactly what happened and they cried and cried and like they wouldn't come into the same room that I was sitting and they'd just cry which is okay I mean you know that child's not understanding what's going on Mm. and a lot of parents ask me how do we deal with that yeah and there's no right or wrong answer but I think you know you just need to take that time give that child that time to just learn yeah and you know let him be curious let him learn he will come a lot of the times children are like that to me and then I'll stare at them for a bit. I'll give them a smile. And then I'll go up to them and with the permission of the child, uh, parents, I'll shake their hand and I'll just have a conversation with them. And then I'll tell them a funny story about how this happened. Yeah. Like I'll make something up just so I can get them engaging. Like, oh, I had a fight with a dragon. Yeah. And they'd get really, really like, they'd get really amused by that. And suddenly they're engaging with me. Or, or I'd spin it around like, yeah, I crossed the road without looking both both ways. 
And then we're like, so make sure you look both ways when you cross the road. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly you've broken that ice now and then they've opened up. I love that. Now you're known as Dragon Man. I like that story. <laughs> Probably just like, I remember once watching a movie with someone and they had said something similar and they said, is that, how, is that the same one you fought? But it wasn't a dragon. It was something else. I can't mm. really remember. So cute. But I guess what's your, what's the key thing you want to do now? Because obviously you work in sales. Yep. What is the main message you want to spread to people? And I guess, how can we help support you to do that? I think the main message I want to spread now, what I want to do from here onwards, is just go and talk to people about confidence, about celebrating who we are, what we are, how we are. It's a mantra that I've got that I want to spread. I want to go out, do public speaking and talk to people about how we can celebrate who we are, what we are, how we are. Do you think anyone can be confident? I think anyone can be confident. You just need to work on yourself every single day and not give up and give me some tips quick tips to do that how do i work on myself every single day what are the key things you do do one thing however small or big it is doesn't matter like right now i want to become a motivational speaker i want to do keynote speaking so i've made a goal that i'm going to do something every day to work towards that however small it might be just following one inspirational person on instagram or it might be emailing 10 prospects that i want to go and talk at schools yeah so however big or small it is you work on yourself Mm. like you want to improve your confidence okay i'll wake up in the morning and i'll look in the mirror and i'll say shivani i'm doing fine or whatever it is well you've got this you can do this it's that it's those small things every day that will compound into making you a better person and don't give up you know you know that that proverb about the gold being one inch away from where you give up it's so true. You just need to carry on because you will get there. It's so true. I think if you thought, if you saw how close you were to that breakthrough, you would always keep going. Exactly. It's just we don't know when that breakthrough is going to happen. Yeah. And also, if you knew, it wouldn't be fun. No. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable. Thank you for being so patient with me while we set everything. No. Today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.